Hello Spokane and welcome to Ever Real Talks. I'm Jessica Side. And I'm Matt Side. And here we are in September. It's kind of crazy that we're... Here's the deal. I actually took my son to school. He goes to a little school and so they are able to do masks and keep things safe. And I realized this is the longest I have ever gone without school for my kids since before my children went to school. And because it's been six months since I've yeah. had to drive him to school. That is a crazy amount of time to kind of have, you know, it's usually like two and a half months or two weeks at Christmas right. or a week at Thanksgiving. It's a, not even a week at Thanksgiving. It's a, it's a very odd transition right now. Well, and well, we have three kids, mm-hmm. as we usually do. They're mm-hmm. all in three different schools. schools or learning situations. So Benson is... <laughs> Live learning. Right. Brooklyn next week starts 100% remote learning. Which probably most of the people listening to this, they're in that same situation. Most people for sure. And then Mm -hmm. we have Ethan who's going to college and is some sort of hybrid, I think. Yeah. And yeah, his will be online, but it's also just incredibly up in the air as far as what that's going to look like for everybody and what this is going to mean for education. And we talked to the teacher. I'm sure many of you have um, had conferences with teachers and they're trying to figure it out and they're really I, I can see they're really striving to make this year a lot better than last year yeah. and what they because you know everyone was thrown into absolute chaos last year so yeah it was kind of a mess it is an interesting place to be and um and I want to just also say to those of you who uh, have been affected by the fires that we've had in our area that our hearts are with you just devastating um to see the loss of of um all things that are dear to you hopefully not all things that are dear to you but anyway we just want to we just want to mention that and just let you know that we're thinking about you and and um we will continue to stand with you in whatever way we can yeah and and Mm -hmm. not just the people around here but really like anybody that's listening to this in california or oregon or all lots of different places along the west that are on fire it seems like devastated this... by fire right now yeah we it's... were driving we were driving along the um ridge up on high drive late in the evening because we went up to target and we could i mean the it was on fire it looked like yeah. mordor yeah it was, you know from lord of the Rings. so it was, cra- it was so um <laughs> it was so crazy that jessica came in and shook me awake as i did and i made him get in the car even though he was fast asleep and i, and I drove him like, up there just uh... to see because it was just so incredible. I'd never seen anything like oh, that in my life. Wild. And for those of you who are in the midst of that, I am I am deeply sorry that that's something that you're having to go through. Yeah, for sure. So as fall approaches, I guess... In 10 days. In 10 days. Okay, so s- s- technically we're still in summer. We are. As fall approaches... It, it's so interesting, though, because you could tell yeah. those people that like get up and outside... What is... <laughs> I feel like this is pointed at me. Well, there are some people that get up and get going and they're maybe outside before 10 a.m. Oh, shut. <laughs> now that is shade. That is some shade. That is so ridiculous. But he does get up at an ungodly hour, like 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I refuse to do that. So Fall has been in the air since the last week of August. Yes. It is remarkable to me that Mother Nature really does understand what's happening on the calendar. Yeah, it's true. It's like, like you can cold have evenings eight, and cold mornings. Well, but you can have 
80, 90, even 90 degree days. Yeah. And then in the morning, just like, wow, this chill wasn't here three weeks ago. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Yeah. But yes, officially on the calendar, fall, fall starts on the 22nd, which is 10 days from today. And you are going to tell us some things to do to get ready, to get our houses ready for. Yes, because this is a show about real estate. <laughs> yes, it is. And your homes need Did to you be know prepared. That? I sometimes, know. sometimes I wonder. <laughs> uh, your homes need to be prepared. And many of you know my background was in banking. And so one of the many holidays that bankers get to take off is Columbus Day, which is at the very beginning of October, right? Okay. Who even knows a Columbus Day? Even the kids don't get that off school. Yeah. But that was always kind of my like time to get ready for fall and winter because okay. I had a three day weekend okay. and I could take that extra day to just prep everything. So I didn't I'm gonna know go that. Through... <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember that. See, if you're going to throw shade, I'm going to throw shade just right back. Okay. Continue anyway, on. So whatever day you do that, mm -hmm. now is the time to start thinking of it. Sure. We're going to go through a handful of things, especially for those of you that are watching or listening this that are newer to this part of the world where yeah. we get really cold nights and yes we do days, days. And weeks and months <laughs> of the year so all right so here's a few things to look at uh so number one here caulk around exterior doors and window frames for a tight seal look for gaps where pipes or wiring enter the home and mm. caulk those as well to protect from water insects and mice oh so obviously depending on your home and its condition like most of you hopefully don't have a bunch of gaps around your doors and your windows, but it is a great time to inspect those type mm -hmm. of areas that are going to have air potentially moving into your home and in the wintertime, cold air. Sure. And so that can be, you can get seals at like Home Depot if you have like a gap in your doorway. Mm -hmm. um, and those things wear out. So you might yeah. have had a, a great one a couple of years ago, but they do wear, not just wear out like... Mm, they rip and things like that, but they actually kind of get squished. Yeah, down. Yeah, they get squished down. So sometimes, you know, even a newer So the homes, insulating properties of those go away. Right, right. So that's number one. Uh, two, check your roof for missing or damaged shingles. We just mm. had a really windy day yeah. here last, earlier this week, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so checking to see if there's been any damage to shingles. I mean, don't wait until you have a leak coming through the mm. roof. So super simple. Get some binoculars from the ground and you can kind of spy on your roof and just make sure you don't have any you're gonna say something are... about neighbors i was like that's weird well, you could do that too that might be <laughs> odd uh water wind ice and snow obviously cause serious damage and you want to make sure that that all of your roofing shingles are in good condition and if you find some that are missing then it would be an opportunity to replace those sure. and it isn't often a very expensive repair to put mm -hmm. new shingles if something blows off right uh, number three, clean your gutters of leaves, sticks, and other debris. Uh, we're heading into fall, obviously. We've talked about that. The leaves are still on the trees, but they won't be for very long. Pine needles are starting to kind of come off, yeah. and again, those wind storms really blow on those. So if you have gutters on the house, cleaning those out. Uh, one thing I will add to that is that the valleys of your roof, uh, those collect pine needles as well which kind of get in there and uh, may not cause water issues but right. it starts to wear and rot out your shingles yeah you're, and so you're, it pulling deteriorates those out the shingles so if cleaning can... those are important as well uh, if you have big enough um, gutters you can put those leaf helmet oh yeah type things on there mm -hmm. and so while you're up there pulling all that garbage out of your gutters you might want to consider that for a future 
so those are your gutters. Um, all right, number four, drain garden hoses and store indoors to protect from the harsh winter elements. So, um, again. Do you, you kind of do this more toward I, the end of September? Yeah. Because I, uh, yes. you're still watering at You're going to have to take your cue from the temperature, obviously, and kind of where things are going to go. And even if you get a, a night that goes below freezing, it, mm-hmm. you know, not, everything's not going to like freeze up and burst right. overnight. Right. But... Um, when I, I usually, that's why Columbus day is a perfect day for this because it's the 10th or so of October. So you're oh, a little bit okay. into October because September you're still getting temperatures up into the eighties. Gotcha. And so you can't shut your sprinklers off and drain all your hoses cause you're going to be doing it all the time. But when you get to that point in October where we're really getting close to frost season, mm-hmm. then that's where you want to drain your hoses out roll them up, stick them in the garage. Mm-hmm. You can still pull them out and use them, but at least they're not going to freeze solid. And that's what really will happen. If you just leave them out there, then they are going to be completely frozen. Sure. Um, this would be also probably a good time to start scheduling your sprinkler blow up, blowouts if you have a sprinkler system, because what happens is if you wait until it gets cold, yeah. everybody called in and now you're three weeks out. That's right. And that can cause problem. I've had that problem before where we can't get anybody scheduled in time and mm. we're multiple weeks into sub-freezing temperatures right. and that's a problem especially if it sneaks up on us i think last fall it snuck up and all of a sudden in early october we had some really cold mm. weather so um pay attention to those kind of things and we also your faucets so again this is all about winterization so right. when you turn the water off to your exterior faucets around your home if you don't have the frost free so those obviously drain and you don't have to worry about those but if you don't, and many of us don't have frost-free faucets, turn them off, but don't forget to drain that line. So there's usually a little valve partway back mm. in the house that you open up, and you have to open the faucet on the outside, otherwise it's okay. vacuum sealed, right? Okay. You open it and open it, and it will drain the water out of that pipe, so there's no water between where you turned it off in the house and the outside. Sure. You're great. You turn the water off to the outside, but if it's still full of water, it's going to freeze and and burst potentially. Yeah, right. When we mm-hmm. were in grade school, we learned how water expands when it freezes. Ooh. Breaks your pipes. I feel like I'm in school. Yeah. I like it. I like learning. I know. I love that about you. <laughs> All right, your furnace. So, uh for those make sure your filters are clean. If you have disposable furnaces or filters, most of us do, get those replaced. Uh, you may want to get it serviced. A lot of people will get an annual servicing of their furnace before they head into the heating season. Right. And again, what happens is if you wait until the first cold snap, when you turn your furnace on for the first time and it's not working, everybody else that waited until that point is also calling in sure. to the furnace person and that's going so to take So testing is not a bad idea at this idea. moment. Yeah, turn it on. Sure. If you live with Jessica, the furnace has already been been on. obviously. Because we've turned the AC on in the day and the furnace on in the night. And so... (laughs) Um, But yeah, make sure your filters are clean and ready and prepped and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Those of you that have wood-burning stoves or fireplaces, we love those in the fall. I love those in the fall. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite parts of fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is kind of huddling around the fire. (laughs) But... Also a good time to make sure that your chimneys are clean and safe. And those of you that just moved into a home and you don't know for sure, spend 150 bucks and have the chimney cleaner come out and inspect it and clean it and be sure that there's not cracks. What what can happen is the bricks 
you know, in these old houses, like that's exposed brick of the chimney that goes up through the attic. Mm -hmm. And if it's a hundred year old house, if that mortar in there is starting to break and crack or fall out, you're not up in the attic, you don't know. And then you have maybe some sparks or whatever that could get into your attic. It could cause a fire. So yeah, kind of a dangerous thing. Maybe dangerous. Might cost you more than 150 bucks, by the way. Just yeah, that, that's been a while since <laughs> just I've throwing that. that out there, but it's probably not accurate. <laughs> Price it out. Oh, I also wanted to say about the furnace. If you're going to start getting filters, um, you might want to consider getting the ones that also um, filter uh, the smoke. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I was going to mention, I mean, August and September, especially up here in the Northwest, have seemed to become fire season. They are. And so having the the Merv filters that are high enough that they pull out some of the smoke and other things that are in the air, if, if, if the smoke rolls in, even if the fire's not here, right. it's nice to be able to have kind of some of that filtration in the air mm-hmm. inside of the house. That's a good call. Uh, a couple other things, and then we'll get off of this, but packing up your outdoor furniture. Basically, what you have to think about is you're going to have the winter elements rolling in, mm-hmm. and do you pack it all together and stick it off to the side of your patio or put it in your garage? Do you cover it with a tarp of some kind? Because, again, that water of the winter and then the freeze and thaw mm-hmm. and freeze and thaw, which in Spokane, we have a lot of that because yeah. we don't get a deep freeze that stays all winter. It's just like a constant... And what happens back to our water expansion mm-hmm. is the more of that that goes on, then it just, it wears harder on your stuff. And see, here's the thing. I have uh, patio furniture and it is wood and I refinished it last year. So I decided not to buy a new patio set. I decided to just sand it down and refinish it. So it's more protected than it ever has been. Yay. Um, and so, but I still want it covered with a tarp because I found that for many years we weren't covering it with a tarp. And so that's where the wear came from. But here's my other thing is my patio furniture sits right outside of my kitchen window. And in the summertime, it's beautiful. But in the wintertime, when it has that ugly blue tarp on it, I hate it so much. So I have finally gotten Matt convinced that it is worthwhile to move it to the side of the house out of my sight so that when I look outside, I still have a nice view outside rather than like just like blue Grossville. So I am a huge fan of getting it away from things so it's that when the, snow, when the snow comes, it feels nice outside still. So it's, uh, it's, a, right. it's the little things, guys. They make all the difference. They do. They all do. right, the last thing on my list is to tune up your snow blower. So these are yard gas-powered yard equipment especially. Mm-hmm. Now's the time to make sh- get some gas in there, make sure it turns on. If it's not, get it to the shop now. Mm. And then also for all of your gas-powered like mowers or other gas... Um, equipment that you use in the yard make sure that you've run that gas through because leaving gas in it over the over the winter can gum up your carburetors and make it hard to start in the spring and so i just and if you got to replace anything consider doing some of the new um like the electric eco-friendly kind of they're pretty powerful these days used to be they weren't as powerful but pretty pretty good yeah we upgraded some of our stuff and Mm -hmm. i've been pleased with it yeah Uh, So there you go. Those are some things that you can do to get ready for winter, which is, believe it or not, right around the corner. (sighs) Sorry about that, guys. I know that's hard to... She hates it when I say that. I I, I just, I like to live in the moment a little bit more. Yes, I know. I do. And so I enjoy, when I'm in winter, 
I enjoy it's winter. It's why we're a really good combination. Because right that? now, you're living in the moment I of am. the end of summer. And I right am. now, I'm thinking about all of the things that I need to do to get ready so that when winter comes, because winter is coming. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I'll be ready. All right. Well, I um, we're going to transition into um, what I wanted to talk about today. And what I want to talk about today is appraisals. Um, this is one of those things, a, a lot of times when, when it comes to the radio show and, and, and what we do here is I just take it from questions that I get from my own clients, not understanding a process, um, not understanding how something works sure. and me explaining it to them. And this is one of those things. Um, I'm going to, I want to, I want to first talk about the difference between a home inspection and an appraisal because a lot of people there's a difference there is a difference a lot of people think that those are one and the same and so let's just talk about that first so first of all an inspection an inspection is ordered by you the buyer okay you decide who, what home inspector you want to use you choose that person you call them with your agent then you schedule that um, and then you meet them at the property you pay them with a check, like directly right there. I mean, obviously some of them have electronic payments. Um, and then the process is, my, my encouragement is that you are there at the house, you follow them around, um, or sometimes they'll say, hey, I'm gonna do the exterior and then I'll come back in and I'll give you a report on what I saw. So you don't have to be with them the whole time. You can ask questions, they will point things out to you, they'll explain things. It's a really great process, it's a great learning process. Um, that's why I encourage all of my buyers to be there for the home inspection. And we did do a whole half of our episode a few weeks back or a month ago or so on inspections. So sure. if you want more information on like what does that contain, right. you can go back and reference that Absolutely. recording. So you order it, you pay for it, you're there for the process, and then you get a report. Now that report then is several pages. It's got pictures, it's got... Um, you know, different inspectors do it different ways, but they'll, they'll show you, um, Hey, here are the things that are, you know, minor things. Here are some major things. Here are some safety concerns so that you, then you can use that report. You and your agent look through it and then you determine what you're going to ask the seller to do. And that might be to repair something that might be to replace something. And that might be just to take some money off of the price. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that you can do at that point. So that is an inspection. Okay. An appraisal is different. Appraisal is ordered by the lender. Okay. It's paid for by you, the buyer. Now, um, it used to be that you would pay at closing, but we're starting to see a trend where you're actually paying for it with a credit card through your lender. So you're not, you know, you're not meeting somebody someplace, um, at the time the appraisal gets ordered because a lot of deals, if they fall apart, they want to make sure they're getting that money from you because you're going to pay for that appraisal, whether or not the property closes, which, you know, is a big deal. And they're expensive. <coughs> they're more expensive by a few hundred dollars than a, um, than a home, a home inspection is. And then the process is this, the appraiser, the, the lender doesn't get to choose the appraiser, the, the, the lender, uh, orders it probably on their computer from a company and that company then assigns it to a random appraiser. That appraiser then gets that order and hopefully in a timely fashion. Right now things are really busy so it's a little bit harder for appraisers right now. That appraiser is going to reach out to the listing agent, uh, not to the buyer, not to the seller, 
not uh, not to the your agent to the listing agent the listing agent then will coordinate that appraiser getting into the property and I'll tell you what they don't want you there they don't want the seller there they don't even want any agents there they usually like to they have their own MLS key for the most part they want to go to that property and do their thing without any interruption now that doesn't always happen but that is what they prefer um, and then they are going to do their own report okay now that report is doing uh, two things number one it's telling the lender what the condition of the property is and the value of the property and what it is doing is so home inspection protects you the buyer an appraiser and an appraisal protects the lender because they want to make sure that if they're lending on the property that is uh, the purchase price is 300,000 that the value of the home is not 280,000 because they're all about mitigating their risk now they cannot mitigate all risk but at this moment in time they're saying we need to at least make sure that this property if you stop making your payments and this comes back to us as as a, a, our property that um, we can sell it for at least what we paid for it. And I'll just say that she's using that as an example, but mm -hmm. that's not to say that you can't have a low down payment program that if a $300,000 house. Sure. Well, they're, they're trying to determine value of the property in, in accordance with the loan. Absolutely. So, but you're correct. You're 100% yes, correct. If you're buying the house for 300000 and it's it worth needs to, $280,000, right. they're not interested in that. That's right. And even honestly, if if the house is, is 300000 and it comes back at 299000 that doesn't work either. There ha There's a process. So we're going to talk about the process if there's a low appraisal. So I still want to talk about value and condition. So condition of the property is really important. Now, if you're an FHA or VA buyer, the condition is even uh, is even more strict, I'll say, okay? And so some of the things that they're looking for, number one, systems. They wanna make sure all the systems are working. The plumbing is working, the heating is working, the electrical is working, okay? So systems is number one. They're also looking for chipping paint. Um, on a FHA, VA, and sometimes even conventional loans, they do not want a bunch of chipping paint inside that house. For two reasons number one lead-based paint lead-based paint um, 1978 or sooner you have properties that probably have lead-based paint in them and we don't want people eating those paint chips right so if there's chipping paint that can be a problem um, but the second one actually connects to another problem is exposed wood they do not like wood that has been exposed to the elements because it doesn't protect right so paint protects the just like the tarp protected our patio furniture paint protects the wood from deteriorating so they do not like um, exposed wood or wood to earth contact which usually happens on a garage you have the earth that comes up against the wood and then it starts to it starts to deteriorate it rots it, it, rots it. you can have bugs that get in there because of that so those are all things that they're looking for they're also looking for little things like handrails and gfci so gfci are those outlets that are close to water so that people don't electrocute themselves if they splash water onto uh, the electrical outlet in a kitchen or a bathroom and they're also another big one that they're looking for is mold or discoloration they don't like that at all so an attic is a place that that ha can happen quite a bit um, and this is one of those things 
that you would hopefully find your, in your home inspection as well is that you would find that there was um, mold so that you can get that remediated. And it happens a lot from bathroom fans that look like they're um, venting properly, but they're just venting straight into your attic. So all of that moisture is going into the attic and there's not always a lot of great circulation up there. So you want to make sure those are venting outside. Um, so that, those are the, that's the appraisal. Okay. Or that, sorry, that is the condition of the home. And then you have the value of the home. So let's talk about value. How do they find value? So first of all, they're going to walk through the house and let me tell you, they're fast. They don't take a lot of time. Your home inspector could take, you know, two, even three hours to go through a home. Uh, an appraiser takes maybe 15 minutes. If that they are going through those homes super, super fast. Um, and they are, and then what they're going to do is they're going to take that back and they're going to gather comps. Comps just mean comparable properties. Those are going to be active pending and sold properties. Now let's talk about why you might get a low appraisal. So let's do, let's talk about if that. you price it too high, then you're potentially going to get a low appraisal. But what if you're, you're pricing it according to other things that are also active in your neighborhood? Here's where the problem is in a, in a trending upward, um, market. Okay. So if you, if you are watching the video, you can see my hand, but if you're not watching the video on the radio, if I've got an upward trend a sharp upward trend in, in values, okay. Sold properties are always in the past. And if you're on an upward trajectory, if you go to the past, you are lower on that traje trajectory. So maybe uh, if I'm looking at houses that sold in the last three months, um, I might find a $280,000 property that is comparable to my $300,000 purchase price house. If they don't, if that's all they can find is stuff from the past that is lower, that becomes a problem. And so, um, that is happening more often now in this market than it would in a market that is slowly trending upwards sure. or flat or even going down, right? That upward trajectory creates a problem with the appraisal. Now, do they, do they have, to your knowledge, do they mm -hmm. have any capacity to adjust for that, that appreciation? I do not believe so. I actually spoke to an appraiser recently that said, we can't do that. I can't do that. Sorry. I have to have comps. So that's a, that's a big deal. And you know, if you have a property that is unique or in outlying areas, that can even be more of an issue because they're supposed to, they're supposed to go at a one mile radius. Mm -hmm. So they're not supposed to go outside of that one mile radius. If you've got a manufactured home, they're supposed to put more weight on the actual park that you're in. So if it's like a manufactured home on leased land, um, they, and I, and I give them a comp from a, a one that's a mile away. They're going to say, sorry, I have to give all most weight to the properties that are actually in this park. Hmm. Very, very challenging. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what do you do and what is the process if there is a low appraisal, which is a very big deal. Okay. So, um, number one, you are going to send a notice you as the buyer are going to send a notice to the seller. The seller has four options. The number one option is to try and get it reappraised. You got to be careful because that could, that could create a problem with the lender if they don't like the appraisal. So that could be a no. Number two, you're going to, the seller is going to reduce the purchase price, which they don't like to do. 
Number three, they could reduce the purchase price a certain amount and then you could bring more money into closing, which is what we're seeing a lot right now. Kind of a meet in the middle. That's right. And number four, they could just say, forget it. I don't want to sell you this house for less than 300000 And that's more likely in a situation where you have multiple offers or backup offers. Like, listen, I got somebody else willing to pay more. That's correct. Then it goes back to the buyer and the buyer gets to make a choice. Do I, do I um, accept this or do I not accept whatever answer they give? And the cool thing for FHA and VA buyers is even if they come down to the purchase price to two eighty, let's say, uh, and you change your mind, you don't want the property because you're an FHA VA buyer, you're not obligated to actually buy that house. However, if you're a conventional buyer and they come down to 280, you have to buy the house at that point. You can't like go, eh, maybe I don't want it anymore unless you have some other contingency. So that's the basic process of how that works. And, um, knowing that there's a process is really helpful for people because they go, well, what happens if they're, you know, if this is a, a low appraisal? So, yeah. And I mean, so there are obviously there are options. Most of the time, everybody's trying to work it out. And so whether that's a combination of meeting in the middle or the right. seller wants to sell and you know, the, the agents, if you've got good brokers, they're trying to find additional comps to see if the, yeah. The I mean, I just listed those out, but let me tell you, there's a lot of complication and thought and, and, rigor that goes into well, and then figuring you have out what to do types of appraisers the va versus the fha yes and, and know, what can a happen whole new yeah. <laughs> episode that we could do on tidewater just google that VA yeah. tidewater yeah that, that's a whole where whole they process. reconsider the value but it can take like two months to get a reconsideration yeah. of value We've got some good stories around that yes we do well jessica thanks for sharing all that i think that's obviously insightful and helpful and uh, if you have questions about anything that we talked about today uh, please reach out to us. Yes. You can email us, ask at evoreal.com. Uh, 509-62-HOUSE is our phone number, or you can find us on any of the social media channels. Awesome. I think that's all we've got for today. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. See you later. Bye. Talk Bye. to you next week.